Welcome to the Unhustle Podcast. In this podcast, we stand up to hustle culture, business, overwhelm, stress, always on mentality, and life in the fast lane. I'm Milena Rigos, and I'm your host today. We believe in challenging hustle culture and status quo. We believe in a new way of living. With this podcast, we hope to help you make a change, find the courage, shift your perspective, and transform your life. We have conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, and people who have made a change in their life. It's our goal to inspire you, motivate you, and challenge you to unhustle, claim back your time, get clear on your priorities, connect with your heart, focus on you, and live a happier, healthier, more balanced, and more fulfilling life. Thank you for joining us. Now listen to today's show. All right, all right, all right. We have such a cool guest on the Unhustle podcast. I ran into Lou Redman on the Insight Timer free meditation app. And I have following him since. And I invited him to the Unhustle podcast because I love his story. Lou went from abusing alcohol and drugs, being a young man, to finding meditation and his purpose in life and becoming a meditation and mindfulness teacher, as well as introducing mindfulness to schools. So here's Lou. I can't wait for you to hear his story. Hi, Lou. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for taking the time and uh, spending some time with me today. I'm super excited to talk with you. I am excited to uh, do a little hustle on the Unhustle podcast here. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. I can't believe we're actually talking on a Sunday morning. On a Sunday. How how funny. We were just talking about this before, the paradox of uh, unhustling, but kind of, you know, working and hustling. And uh, it's that balance we have to, that we're talking about uh, maybe throughout throughout this session. It's always a balance. And, and on top of that, it's the holiday season. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's the whole, it's like this in between now we're recording this in between Christmas and new year. So I always find this part of the year, just like this, this weird time of like, there's still another holiday, but I supposed to be working. And there's just, this, it's an interesting energy I always find around this time of year. I don't know if you feel that. I love this time of year because it gets really quiet. Yeah, and that's true too. So. It kind of allows me to, you know, step back and think about and, and whether you're planning for, for the next year or you're just taking some time to like re- reflect on the year. I, I really like I've always liked it because it's, uh, um, it's just quiet. Yeah. So let's start. Um, you and I um, met, I met you through Inside Timer uh, with a meditation that was really appropriate for especially for my thinking here in philosophy with Unhustle, which was on less doing and more being and then i reached out to you and we've connected so i'd like to start um this conversation a little bit um about how you got into mindfulness and meditation and and all and basically Tell us your story. <laughs> sure, yeah, and, and it's a, uh, it's definitely a long story. So I'll try and be as uh, succinct for your listeners uh, on this. Um, but it, I guess it would start uh, from uh, I'm a, I'm a big believer in uh, the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, the hero's journey. It's it's something that we undertake when we uh, go from just the ordinary way of being in the world, so our ordinary life, and then we cross this threshold and we enter this magical world where we meet new people and we grow and we have these transformational uh, experiences. And I, I think of my story uh, in a hero's journey archetype, and it starts with me in my ordinary world uh, of living out in San Diego, and I was working for a company out there. I liked my job, but I was just doing the routine thing. I was going to work Monday through Friday, doing my job, doing a good job, but it was always about what am I doing on the weekends? What parties am I going to? What raves am I going to? What drugs are we taking? What, how much fun are we going to have? Because at that time in my life, life seemed like it was all about having fun. Like that's the purpose of life. 
you make money so you can have the money so you can go have fun and party. And that was me. You know, this was when I was 22, 23, 24. So it was really in that time of like, I have money after college and let's really do it. And for me, I always had a, uh, would say a negative relationship with alcohol. So I would take that too far. I sometimes had a negative relationship with other drugs, getting into the rave scene, getting into um, more of the, the ecstasy and the Molly and doing that just over and over again, where it wasn't like just for an experience as I thought that's what I initially set out to do, but it kept, it became this pattern every weekend where I would get myself up during the week, you know, be going to the gym. I wasn't like drinking during the week necessarily, but then the weekend would come, Thursday would come, and it was kind of all downhill. And so my life, uh, I know our viewers, our listeners can't see this, but it was kind of like a straight line and maybe even teetering down because I was just going up, down, little up, down. Uh, and I was just getting myself in these very low points. And I always say I didn't have like a rock bottom moment. I feel like I had a bunch of consecutive rock bottoms where I would just come to a place where I felt like empty and lost and just unsure uh, if I could go on living the way that I did. And it was around this time that a, uh, I had a conversation with a friend who had lived in uh, Los Angeles and he was telling me about this group that he went to called Junto Global. And this group was a mastermind group. At the time, I didn't know what a mastermind group was, but it was a group that came about. Um, there was Different people from different professions came together uh, each week and they talked about things that mattered, talked about um, business, they talked about life, they talked about relationships. And the way that he was saying it and the way that he was talking about it was, was really inspiring to me. And it was like something was calling me there. I was like, hmm, that seems interesting to me. And I didn't really know what it was at the time. Fast forward a couple months after I hit this rock bottom point of like, I need to make a change. I reached back out to him. It was founded in San Diego, this group. So he had connected me with the founder and long story short, I went to this meeting or I'm on my way to this meeting, which met on a Friday at 6 PM, which was like so annoying to me at first. Cause I'm like, it's, it's party Friday, time. <laughs> 6 PM. I should be on the beach. I should have a margarita by now. Like I'm not going to this meeting. I have no idea what I'm going into. I walk into this room and I'm sitting there with, uh, it was this, this time in the, the group was all men. It was a group of men and they're asking, they're talking about books. I don't read books. They're talking about things, just their businesses. I was like, who are these people? They're in their twenties. They're running businesses. One person's talking about just getting mentored in Necker Island with Richard Branson. And I'm like, what's going on here? And then this is funny. I think some listeners would appreciate. They start getting really pumped up about this guy named Tony Robbins. And they start <laughs> talking about Unleash the Power Within. And this is where I was at at the time. I'm looking around and these people are like, oh, yeah, I went to that. I did, you know, the firewalk, all this stuff. And I'm like, uh, uh, who's Tony Robbins? Is, is, <laughs> is that that guy from Shallow Hell? I, th I think I remember him from Shallow Hell. So I was so plugged out of this space. This was all so new to me. And I was seeing all of these people just with this mindset. And I was like, hmm, why? How did I? Where is this world? Well, I don't live in this world. These people are somewhat my age, but they're living with a such different mindset. And so that woke me up. I remember being there and just saying like, hey, do you have any advice for me? I, I have been doing the same thing. I go to work. You know, I go to the gym. I didn't tell him about my drinking and partying, but I told him like, I get home, I watch five hours of Seinfeld and I just repeat until the weekend. And rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> and they gave me this real core advice that I still pretty much do. And that is uh, stop watching TV, start reading, start surrounding yourself with the right people and start pushing your comfort zone. And so I ran with that, that meaning blew up my comfort zone. I was so insecure the whole time. But afterwards, I really felt this call that life was, was, was pulling for me to make a change. And this was kind of, if I've come back to the hero's journey, this was my first kind of call to adventure that something was going to shift. And I didn't even know if I'd be welcomed back to the meeting. This was kind of like an intro thing. I had nothing to offer these people as far as like my wisdom uh, or just anything. I'm sure I had something to offer these people, but at the time I didn't think so. They allow me to come back. I go every Friday and it's just like, I'm such a believer that your environment just brings you wherever you, your environment is. So if your environment is up here, like it, 
by osmosis, you're going to get brought by that, that who you surround yourself with. And it's a pretty cliche quote in the personal development space, right? You are the average of the people that you surround yourself with. Um, and I saw that happening because each week I had to show up as a new person. Each week I had to show up to meet at the different level uh, of these people. And it really started to change things for me because I wasn't drinking Friday night because I was at this meeting. I was leaving Friday night feeling inspired about just life. And I was just excited for life with no real understanding why everything just felt good. I would wake up Saturday morning. I started going for runs and I was on this like natural high. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't need to drink and party and do all these things to feel this high. And I ran with that. I was in this group for, for a few months, just doing every being a sponge, doing everything that they were saying to try out. And one of them happened to be uh, meditation. And that's where uh, practicing meditation, that's where it, started this whole other uh, transformation, this whole other call. Uh, but I want to pause right there um, in the story just to see if you have any questions or comments on that because then there's another, there's another part of this story where it gets a little crazier. No, I, I, love, I love your story so far. I like how you went from doing drugs and alcohol to meditation. Perfect. <laughs> a good, yeah, let's, a lot of people have that story, I found. Um, so... I started meditating and I can't explain what happened to me via meditation by the amount that I was meditating or the dedication of my meditation practice because it really wasn't much. I think I was doing it here and there. I, I, at the first time I did it was, it was like five minutes or not even five minutes. I didn't know what I was doing. I started to do Deepak and Oprah's like 21 day challenge. I think that was like my most committed time at that point. It was like in November or something. And then fast forward a month later, I'm in, Palm Springs, I go there for New Year's to spend time with just a couple. I didn't want to do the typical New Year's, funny that we're recording this right at New Year's, but I didn't want to do the typical New Year's, go to an open bar and just drink all night and be with a bunch of people. I was like, I was kind of getting over that scene, even though I was still drinking, even though I was still maybe dabbling with certain drug usages. Um, but I go up to Palm Springs, and I just spend time with two friends, they're a couple, and we just go out and we drink and we part, we drink a little bit, but we don't like party party. But still, I wake up the next morning feeling really hungover, you know, different wine, gin, all the different drinks you're having out. And uh, I remember uh, going to a coffee shop and um, just feeling super hungover, journaling. The time I started journaling, which was one of the practices that the, the guys in Jinto had suggested, and I was really into it. And I was looking at a family on New Year's that were spending a time together. And I was like, so in love, I was like crying at this family, just enjoying time together. It was like grandpa, grandpa, mom, dad, kids all having fun. And I'm feeling hungover. And I'm just like, man, I hope that I'm never so hungover that I can't enjoy time with my family. And I just have that visceral experience there. Fast forward the next day. I don't drink that night. I wake up, I feel great. I'm about to head back to San Diego. Um, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I feel like going on a hike by myself. And I know Joshua Tree is right here. I'm, and I just felt this call to just go on a hike by myself. I was, I was like, I thought I was going to meditate up the mountain and there will be this you know, picturesque scene of me in the landscape. And I can just see myself there already in my mind. And so I, I get out of my car. I go on this, I start going on this hike. And on the hike, I start, I find this like mountain top that's kind of off. It's not on a path. I just start kind of just scavenging my way up. And on the way up, I stop and I do some meditations. And while I'm meditating, I'm just having a completely different meditative experience that I've had so far. It was getting really, really into it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this must be what people talk about. This, this feels really connected. This feels really good. And I did two meditations just like that, where I started getting these words that came to me. And the words that came to me were, you're fulfilled at your core. And I just kept repeating that you're fulfilled at your core. And I kept just repeating and repeating it. And just, I felt my energy was just starting to open up a little bit. And I felt like intuitively, I knew that at my center, that um, I call it God, you can call it spirit, you can call it that connection I felt that was inside of me that was a part of me, it wasn't outside, it was just part of who I was. And I was got to the top of the mountain. And I started to journal about the experiences that I was having. And it was while I was journaling, I got this felt like a call that I was like, I was like getting asked a question. 
And the question was, do I really want all that life has in store for me? And I didn't know at the time, uh, oh, no, what it was, sorry. Um, let me retract a second. I started writing a note to my future sons or daughters in my journal just out of nowhere. And when I write that, I got this call of, do I want all that life has in store for me? And at the time, and I was like, of course I want all that life has in store for me. Who wouldn't? But I knew what my decision and what my action I needed to make in order to receive that. That's what it felt like at the time. And what I needed to do was to commit to stop drinking. Just completely commit to stop drinking, stop doing any sort of drugs, just completely go sober. And I was 20, I had just turned 25 years old. What am I going to do? How am I going to go out? How am I going to be with people? <laughs> yeah, how am I going to live in that social environment at 25 to stop drinking? It was crazy. But it felt like it was like a now or never decision time. And so I wrote, I got up the, the nerve and I said, I need to do this right now. I wrote it in my journal. I will stop drinking. I closed my journal. And then, well, you know, this is where it gets ineffable. Like there's no words that I can actually say that's going to describe my experience. But it was as if the sky just opened up and I was just poured with the most amount of love and bliss and just complete ecstasy and just connection like I've never felt before and I was crying and I was just screaming thank you thank you thank you and it was just this beautiful uh mystical experience and I was like I remember just floating down the mountain like I was like flying starting to come back down and it was I get, I get back in my car. So I'm enjoying this whole experience. I get back in my car and I was like, wow, that was a, a spiritual experience. And this is coming from someone who did not start meditating because I was trying to have a spiritual experience who had not considered themselves spiritual by any sense of that word, had believed in God, grew up Catholic, whatever, but had not been part of my life. And then that experience happened. So I wasn't looking for it. I started meditating because it was a habit of successful people. And they were telling me you should do it. And I <laughs> liked it. And then I found this whole spiritual dimension to myself and this connection that then <laughs> from the next couple days, I had more of these experiences in different places in San Diego. And it was like my whole world was getting thrown up out of its head because I didn't know what was happening to me. I had no one to consult that, that had these experiences. And I had a, a, a fast forward a couple of days, I, I get this idea in my head and it was actually my ex-girlfriend uh, at the time. We had broken up for a little bit. She, she's my current girlfriend as well now, but she was my ex-girlfriend at the time. Um, she sends me this little uh, Holstein manifesto in our journal. Do you know what the Holstein manifesto no. is? It's a beautiful manifesto by this company, Holsty. I think a lot of people on here would really enjoy uh, reading it. But she sends me this. And somewhere in the Holsty manifesto, it says, if you don't like your job, quit. And I <laughs> read that. And I was like, I like my job. I had just gotten a promotion. I was getting into personal development. So mind you, I was doing awesome at my job because I was bringing that energy into my job. I had gotten a promotion. I was crushing it at work. Things were going really well by all means, but there was still something um, that felt like I was getting constricted, felt like there was more to what I could do and serve in the world. And so I thought about that question. What if I quit my job? And it kept me up all night, all night. I didn't do it. That day, I was thinking about doing it, just writing an email that day, but I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go into work. I'm gonna spread this awesome energy with every person that was at my company. They're gonna, they're gonna be on my level. And I go into work, and mind you, again, this is a couple days after New Year's. This is the beginning of like the new year. Everyone's getting back from their break. So they're just, first day back, they're just like, oh, right, they're <laughs> slogged. And I'm coming in there like, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Like, so jacked up. And the energy was so different. And I, in that day, I just saw things that weren't connecting to me. I was, saw, I was looking at people in their offices that just seemed so miserable. I had thought about my CEO and it's like, there's no one in this company that I want to be. Like, why am I here? And so I wrestled with this thought all day. I end up at the end of the day, like thinking about what, like, am I going to actually do this? 
And so my only way that I could do it in, in what made sense to me at the time was completely to, to jump off. Like there wasn't no two week notice. I, I couldn't do it because people would have talked me out of it. It was to completely jump off a cliff. So I don't know if I'm actually going to quit. I end up writing notes to my CEO. I write a note to my manager and I write a note to my former manager. I leave them under my computer. So there's handwritten notes under there. I, so I have a way out. If I come back, no one sees the notes. I write these notes. I go home. I wrestle with the thought all night. I'm, again, I'm shortening the story in, in many ways. Um, I wake up at 3 a.m. on the dot, which is another story within itself. 3 a.m. on the dot, I get myself ready to like, okay, maybe I can actually do this. I get my morning going. I start telling the people, I, start tell, I call my parents and tell them I'm just going to quit my job today. Somehow get off of that phone call because I have no plans. I have no money saved. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I just have this like calling to just, just jump. And so I get on my computer and I start writing this email to my company. And as I'm doing it, it's just like, this is the right thing to do. And I start crying. I start just pouring my heart into this email and thanking everyone for my time there. Uh, really this intense emotional email. Let me just email. interrupt you there for a second. When, yeah. you, when you said this is the right thing to do, did that, do you remember if that came from like your analytical mind or did that come from like you you being connected with your intuition? Yeah, if there was any uh, analytical brain there, it would have been like you are absolutely out, literally out of your mind. Like literally, like you are insane. Um, so, so you're no, completely it was like complete, trusting your intuition. It was a complete, a complete intuition, complete like center of who like my self that I felt like knowing this was the right thing to do almost like it almost felt like this calm presence of like like yeah like you should keep going like you should be doing this um and so I did it and I remember I pressed send on the the email uh and I closed my computer I go on airplane mode and once I press send it was like this other opening up like I told you about the first experience this was experience was even greater of like holy moly I felt like yes it was just like this was the right thing to do and I was literally like sitting in this just ecstasy and, I, and, and, and I've taken again I have the reference for drug use this was higher than any of any drug that I've ever taken 20 30 X and it was just like holy moly that was just sitting in this experience for a while eventually I end up going outside and start journaling about everything that's happening and oh my gosh i just jumped and i'm like writing thanking other people through my journal about people that influenced me and supported me to, to get to this place and i would, and at that moment i look over and there were two police officers no five police officers that just pulled up or coming through my little walkway in my apartment and I, I was like, knowing that it's somehow connected to me, like, <laughs> they come in and they ask me, are you the one that's writing uh, letters to your, or emails to your company talking about some higher calling? And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, <laughs> you know, cause this is, I, I send this Tuesday, 9 a.m. in corporate America. So you got to think, <laughs> yeah. at, you got to think of the energy at that time. You actually uh, talked about higher calling in corporate Amer America. I literally, I, I started, I started the email with a Mark Twain quote. It's the two most important days are the day you were born and the day you find out why. And I explained <laughs> that the latter came the second, the latter has come for me and I've been called up to the major leagues. I've been called up to like, play a different game like it, looking at it and, and this is the crazy part people at my company because it was so out of left field because it didn't make sense to anyone they thought it was a suicide letter so they had called <laughs> and they couldn't get in touch with me because i went on airplane mode i totally disconnected so no one can get in touch with me they thought well done, I, I killed myself <laughs> and i'm telling the police officers and it was this crazy I, irony in that like the moment that I felt so connected felt so on purpose people think I'm the craziest people think that I actually want to kill myself and I'm trying to tell these officers I'm like you have no idea I, I am I just want I, I have I feel the best I've ever felt in my life like I just have I felt this just incredible love and at the time me wanting to quit I really thought I was going to join the Peace Corps I thought I had this like service this love inside of me that just thought he was going to, they're going to serve. I was going to volunteer. I didn't even know what that looked like at all. And so uh, I jumped off the cliff of this to somehow get the police officers to leave. And I'll fast forward this last bit of the story because it's kind of like the ice cream on the cake. 
my ex-girlfriend hears about this on her way back from San Diego on a flight. She thinks that I killed myself because she hears it from my company. She has a breakdown. I finally got on the call with her. I end up picking her up from the airport. We have this incredible emotional, like we're like crying. I drive her to Sunset Cliffs in San Diego with, and I have this feeling of like, oh my gosh, we're meant to be together. Um, I always, we'd always been connected. We stayed close. We just separated to grow to, to grow separately for a little bit. And I was like, if there's ever a time to ask the woman that you love that to, to marry you, the time is now. So I didn't have a ring. I didn't, I made this decision in the car. I got out, got on my knees. I professed this incredible love profession. And I, uh, I asked her to marry me right there. After I asked my ex-girlfriend to marry me. Uh, and luckily she said yes. And we enjoyed like the most magical couple hours on uh, watching the sunset. And, wow. You know, um, I actually used to, what a, what a, what a moment and what an experience. Thank, thanks so much for sharing that. And I actually know Sunset Cliffs very, very well. Oh, wow. I used to I used to go there when I used to live in San Diego and watch yeah, the sunset. Sure, so yeah. I can actually picture this in my mind. But wow, you had uh, you had quite the experience there. <laughs> that's my story, and and that's a shortened version. For those of you like this is a long story. <laughs> that's that's the short version, and, and and so I jumped off a cliff, uh, and in January sixth, two thousand fifteen. So we're coming up on the five year anniversary. Uh, that was the craziest, and forever will be the craziest day of my life. I can't think of anything else that's going to top it. <laughs> I love it, but you had to you had to connect. You really had to connect deeply with with who you are and, and kind of higher calling and, and and purpose, which is which sounds to me like you were able to accomplish. Part of it is through meditation. Part of it is through um, your group and your support group um, and and doing some self development. So I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about. Um, a couple of things here. One is, um, I, you know, your higher purpose and how can other people, how can other people connect with that calling? And I have the courage to do what you did because it does take a lot of courage to do what you did, especially not knowing what you're going to do next. You know, it's easy if you're like, okay, I have some money saved up, you know, I'm going to go travel or I'm going to do this. But sometimes you have to jump off that cliff. Um, I didn't quit my job because I didn't have a job because I'm self-employed, but I, I decided in a similar fashion overnight that I was going to join this human potential Institute. You know, it's a coaching, it's a coaching program for nine months. I, you know, I had no desire to like, be a coach, but uh, on a 24 hour notice, um, I signed up for the program <clears throat> and I decided that I'm going to connect with my higher purpose and go from, owning a digital marketing agency to starting and hustle because that to me felt like my higher calling but from your perspective Lou what um what can somebody do a to connect with that higher purpose <clears throat> and b get the courage excuse me <clears throat> um I'm going to answer this starting uh at the the jump off point just from what I learned of just totally making a leap that I don't recommend to people. I, I don't say like, go just quit your job if you're feeling it. My experience and circumstance is unique and everyone's experience and circumstances will be unique in their own way, but it will all have similar threads and similar feelings. And what I did learn making such a drastic leap with no plans is the, is how supported we are when we, have the when we step through so i've dev, definitely learned that insane support that comes out of places that you could not predict and that's that's the key part is that if you have a plan if you have a very concrete plan for moving towards that thing that might be scaring you um you it's probably not the right plan like there's the the thing that's the way to connect with like what is really true um, and I'm going to go back to, to Joseph Campbell and, and his mythology of, of we, we enter the forest at the darkest point where there was no path before, because if there was a path, it's not your path. So the fact that we feel such ambiguity, we feel this calling somewhere, but there's an unknown and that's the fear. And that's what keeps us in our analytical minds of, no, 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 I can't do this, but this makes so much more sense. This is safe. This is secure. 
we can't know what's on the other side of the fence until we cross it. We can't know what's on. We don't know the parachutes. If we did know the parachutes, I, it's not, it's not the jump. So it's the paradox. Like you have to, you have to kind of move forward without knowing. And then that gives you, and then you'll see of like, Oh wow. I, I, if you have to build a muscle of courage in the journey because you'll have to use it on different levels. Like as you keep progressing with whatever, as you start. And for me, it was still two years of per self-development. Um, finally having the inspiration to write my book and write the story. I didn't know I had a, I had something that came to me out of left field to make money. That was nothing to do with what my purpose was, but it afforded me way more time to figure that out. And I actually ended up, and this is crazy, this side job, which I did like a few times or once a month, maybe, maybe I would get away with doing it every other month. I made more money the year that I quit my job than my, at my actual job. And I wasn't working a real job. Like, it, and this is what I mean. Like I, I had no idea that was going to be there, but a, a friend had called me. I was like, Hey, I heard you quit your job, but do you want to do this thing? And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Of course. Like, I need support. So I couldn't have known that, but what was the I, job? Uh, it was a mystery shopping job. Uh, okay, so it wasn't related to like um, nothing related mindfulness to mindfulness program. No, no, or... no, no, no. Okay, yeah, okay. but it gave me. You know, I would do it for a week, um, and it gave me three weeks of my time to to figure that out. Which, on another level, from going from corporate structure, someone else tells me what to do, to having three weeks with no idea how to spend your time, that causes a whole nother mental drama that is difficult to be with. People think that they want to just live on a beach. Quit my, I want to quit my job and just live on a beach. But you see what happens with retired people. There's a, there's a psychic, uh, there's, a, there's a big gap in like, holy moly, I have to decide what, how to spend my time. And that's overwhelming in the beginning. So Isn't that part of the, um, the fact that we are just so conditioned to do and not so much to be that's so true and we're so conditioned to do what we're told to do rather than hmm what if i gave myself the time to be and there's uh a, there's a what's in the Tao Te Ching. um do you have the uh, capacity it's I'm, I'm paraphrasing here but it's something like do you have the capacity to sit and do nothing or to just be until action arises by itself and so few people do that. So hard to like so hard. sit. And like, well, what should I do? Like, what would you be doing? But like, what, what wants to come out of me? What action naturally rises? Um, sorry, my internet's... You still... Am I good? Yeah, you, yeah, I think I lost you there for a, a couple of seconds. Okay, sorry about that. Um, but I want to answer again, the, come back to, to your question. So... Uh, what and maybe reframe it again what do people um having the ability to just sit and do nothing versus to to constantly do stuff um i i think it's a big especially nowadays because we're we're so conditioned to constantly be doing and if you you know thanks to the iphones of course or whatever smartphones you have in your pocket um we're constantly doing. I mean, if you have a few seconds, what do you do? You go to your Instagram account, you go to your email, you start checking stuff because you yeah. you're conditioned to do it and you want that, that stimulation. So, so having that time to, to just be is so critical and so important, but so few of us actually do it. Well, I think that's the first step to um, the previous question of, well, how can I start finding my purpose or how can I start taking, how do I get the courage to step forward? Um, it's first working on yourself and, and many times that is meditation could be journaling is a very quiet and reflective practice as well. So doing what is calling to you to work on yourself and having this belief that, that what you seek is seeking you, meaning that, that as you work on yourself, there's this belief that life is, is, is happening in your benefit that there's a benevolence to life and if you can kind of link up with that thought system then you start to see life in a different way and from that foundation of belief because you have to constantly you have to bring that belief system with you the whole way because things are going to knock you down and if you don't have that foundation of what can i learn from this then you're gonna you're gonna 
you might stop the journey. And, and, and another platitude for this is just doing the work. Like I feel, you know, now I'm finally supporting myself doing this. It's taken five years, but I feel the same thing I felt when I wasn't supporting myself. I feel the same thing I felt when I was just in the Junto group working on myself. It's just a different level. So it's the enjoyment of the process rather than the goal. And that comes back to the being, right? We, like if we're not enjoying the process of what we're doing, please, please realize that you're not going to get any, you're not going to get somewhere where you're going to finally enjoy it. So like the journey of self-improvement, the journey of um, facing those fears and being kind to yourself when you back down. So when, you know, not like, Oh man, I wish I was more courageous. I suck that I'm not courageous. Being kind to yourself that, Hey, I didn't, I didn't jump this time, but it's okay. Cause guess what? You're like a GPS. You're constantly getting moved, pulled back on track. And if you trust that, um, and, and, and take little steps, take, do those little things that fear you and get the, get the muscle built of moving in a direction that is scary. And if you can, if you can hedge, like if it's quitting a job per se, and there is, you can do so much, um, building, you know, your purpose that's while you're having your job or, or finding ways that you can make it a little less scary. But in my experience, if it's the scarier it is, it's probably, calling to you more and there's a reason there because when we move to the things that are really we're afraid of there's incredible growth and incredible just self appreciation that that comes uh, from that so there's definitely no easy answer to, to, to find <laughs> your purpose uh, you know I think I have a if people want to listen to this I have a little talk on insight timer actually about how to find your life purpose and I think it sh it changes it's not about finding your life purpose but choosing to live purposefully so like each thing you're doing you have this intention behind it that you're that you're working on yourself so you live purposefully and from that space things will naturally arise so again everything with this journey and i think it comes back to again this theme is this inner outer experience rather than trying to fill stuff from the in so of living with purpose and allowing the purpose to come from the outside living from a place of being allow the doing to come to the outside so if you just always think like how can i set myself in a state for that how can i move from in to out that's normally going to be a better uh better experience and a happier experience than trying to say what do I need to get in order to feel? What do I need to get? get? Just anything from the outside is going to be uh, not as fulfilling, I think. So it's the whole do have be model reversed. Be have do. do be have. Yeah, or you have it already, right? Everything we want too. Like I don't, right. we don't realize is a feeling. Like we want money because of a feeling of security. So if we can get ourselves to a state to feel secure. What do, what, what do we need? The, the money, yes, has to pay the bills and there's very specific things it has to do, but we want feelings, right? We don't want a million, you know, we don't want six zeros in our bank account. We want the feeling of security that we think that, that it's, we think it's going to bring. Um, so cultivating that feeling before anything happening. And then I don't, and then for me, a big part, and, and I mentioned, um, we had talked about earlier about caring what other people think. For me, a big part in that journey is also also has been because I was so insecure in so many ways uh, because I was feeling like I was always being judged and uh, I was judged a lot from quitting my job. People thought I literally went crazy. They had an intervention for me, uh, my friends in San Diego, because it was like that insane. Uh, but that's another story. But um, also seeing that everyone are, we can, if we root for other people, we support other people, we help other people, that's the fastest way for us to find our, our purpose and just rooting for other people. Like not scrolling through Instagram and being like, oh, that person seems like they have like the best life or, you know, I, I wish I could do that. And, and me feeling jealous. So really working with jealousy, if that's something that you struggle with, I've struggled with it so much. And, but I found such transformation in really rooting and rooting for everyone to succeed because we're all in this together. And it's a beautiful uh, experience when you move into that different collaborative mindset and realize that it, we can expand and all grow. And there's enough, uh, there's enough people that, that need what you have, the gift that you have, and only you have uh, that specific gift. So that's kind of a big part of my mission to help people with that.
Thanks for bringing that up. I'm super excited for your new course on Inside Timer, <clears throat> which is called what again? Uh, learn to stop caring what others think. I love it. I just signed up for it, and I I can't wait to check it out. So, let's um, give me let's let's go. Um, you just gave us like the top one probably highlight from the course. Give me give me like two more things as to um, as to how can people stop caring about what others think. One thing that a lot of people, I say it in the course, and I've had a lot of comments from people that they had always felt it, but never put the words to it. And what I've also realized is the sign that when we have this feeling that it actually means that we're in the right place. And that is the feeling of imposter syndrome. Are you familiar with imposter syndrome? Mm -hmm. yeah. right. For those of you that don't know, it's this feeling like, I'm a fraud, like I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And if someone finds out that I'm doing this, they're gonna come and they're gonna say, you have no right to do this, who are you? You don't, just, you don't have the credentials, you don't have the certifications, you don't, and, and just, and totally that, that voice that says that we're no good. It's that radio that, me, isn't it? It's like, it's, it's, it's yeah. that radio, I call it radio me. It's yeah. like listening to that voice in your head over and over again, um, that that says you're not good enough. You know who are you? Sure. It's the imposter syndrome, but it's I call it radio me. It's like listening to the voice in your head um, instead of trusting the process and, and trusting you know tr trusting your intuition and and knowing who you are and and knowing your gifts and, and your uniqueness. Yeah, and and the fact the fact that we feel this is sign that we are so not an imposter because we only feel it if we care enough. I've done things, I've, some people at times ask me to, to build their website. I know how to build a Squarespace website. I'm not a website programmer. I'm so an imposter in website development, but I don't feel like an imposter because my identity is not wrapped in being a website developer. So if someone asks me to build their Squarespace website, I'll take you know, a couple hours and I'll do it. But I don't have this, oh my gosh, what are they gonna think? Oh my, because my identity's not in it. So we have to realize that we put so much identity that what we do is not who we are. And Seth Godin talks a lot about this um, in, in the fact of like, you know, the pizza maker, right? They're, they're not the pizza. Like if they don't like their pizza, it doesn't mean that they don't like you. Um, so you have to realize that with whatever your gift is, whatever you're giving to the world, that, that you can get better at making pizzas. And it's okay to give terrible pizzas because the only way, and Seth will talk about writing, like, the only way to get better at writing is to do enough bad writing that you get better. So we got to understand that we're going to grow in what we do, but because it's so intimate to us, because we care so much, we wrap our identity in it and we think that people are judging us. And I was doing this so much in doing my meditation workshops and be like panicking before going out to speak <laughs> and, and share with people. Cause I think that and, and a, a book that has transformed my thoughts on this is a book called mindset by Carol Dweck. Um, thinking that this was a final judgment of my talent and my worth rather than just seeing as I'm just practicing here. I'm just here practicing and we're all practicing. And, and I've tried to see all of life, even the times where it feels like the most pressure, where it feels like this big, you know, for me, it's always public speaking, um, where it feels like I have to perform here. It's just a practice. And if we see things as a practice, we lighten up the intensity that we give to so many things in our life. And part of it's practice and part of it, the way I think about it is, is um, knowing that so many people would benefit from your message mm. and not making it about you, but making it about them. Totally. That's a totally good, another, another great mindset shift. So yeah, when, you, when you put the spotlight on, on the people that you're helping out and the fact that you, they need you, then you get over the fact that how you look on stage or like, you're nervous or right? and you, yeah. know, you, you overcome that obstacle in, in your head because you you're you're trying to help people out at the end of the day it's not right. about how you uh you know how your hair looks <laughs> yeah it was yeah it's more about like oh my gosh am i gonna forget yeah it, there's a and that and again this is why i had a, of a core i believe that we also uh if you want to look for a gift look where your mess is like your genius is where the uh, I think this is from a book I read recently by Robert Bly of uh, where the wound is is where your genius is so like um, and another platitude that might say is the mess is your message so if you find those parts for me it was this what we're talking about feeling of imposter syndrome feeling jealousy feeling comparison 
And I was able by my experience to be able to share that and teach it because as we teach things, we embody it more. So I believe that we teach what we need to learn because it helps us learn it better. And no one has a better experiential knowledge um, of something that has gone through it themselves. So if someone's looking for like, hmm, what could my gift be? What could my purpose be? Where are the parts of your life that have been so kind of tough or have been difficult um, in, in a way that you can shed light on it in a, in a different perspective because you've been through it? Yeah, and I couldn't say... You're living it right, you're living it right I'm now. Living right? It. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I know what it's like to run a company and have that success. Because so many people out there right now, especially when yeah. you talked about Gary Vaynerchuk, right? That yep. They're pursuing the digital marketing business because that seems like maybe this is my purpose because it's like huge and blunt, you know, it's, it's a big exactly. opportunity, but there, but there might be something more. So you're living that and, and, and your, your gift is like, oh, wow, look at Milena's doing it. She has a different, she's been through that. Hmm, maybe I can listen to what she has to say and that will be helpful for my, for my journey. Right, exactly. And you hear that over and over again. I mean, all these stories and transformations that we hear from people normally is what, what, a business is born out of um, and then they start sharing, sharing that story and and showing other people how to overcome that same challenge uh, yeah. that, that same issue that they have and it's unique it's create and again I think we're all creative like we all have this creative spirit it's not just painters and writers and Michelangelo we have that within us um, and we can tap into trusting that there's a unique gift that we have to share um, in, in the way that only we can share it. We, me and you, Milena, we could say the same thing in an email to our audience and they hear it different from you, they hear it different from me. And it's because it's, it's it, people, it's, we resonate with certain people and we can't explain why, right? So like we have to understand that there's enough, there's an article that I love, A Thousand True Fans by Kevin Kelly. It's like we just have to find the people that hear what we're saying in the way that resonates to them and understand that even though that person that has a hundred thousand followers on Instagram says the same thing, that there are different people that are going to resonate with you that don't resonate with that person. Exactly more the point of <laughs> the comparisons, especially on Instagram, because what you're going to share, the way you're going to share it with your people is going to be different the way I'm going to share it. So, so when you're looking at building a business or starting a business or, you know, following your purpose, it's not going to be the same as somebody else's purpose. So stop the comparisons and take more time to just be because it's within you. It's just a question of extrapolating it like you did on top of a mountain top and uh, <laughs> writing it down in your journal. It doesn't have to be on a mountaintop. It doesn't have to be on the mountain. It could be on the beach. I uh, prefer to do it outside. Um, but even, you know, it, it is within you and, and just doing all these comparisons and looking at what other people are doing. We're just becoming more of a, of a following someone else's path when you have to build your own path. Totally true. That's it. Yeah. And that's a scary part. It's scary to realize like, oh my gosh, they're, you know, and we're sold sometimes the seven step proven method to become X and Y. Um, and those courses and those people definitely help. And I've found so much value in a coach. I would recommend every single person to find a coach that speaks to them because it's been transformational. But we also have to understand that no one's going to give you the, the, the tried and true path. And if they do, again, if it's easy, um, it could be easy in a sense. But if it's you know laid out in front of you, there's probably maybe you can take it and make your own unique uh, gift with that. And I think that's kind of what we do with our knowledge is we mend everything together to share something that's, that's, that's from ourself. Absolutely. And yeah, a coach could help you with certain, a, a coach to me could help you listen to you objectively. And, and my, my specific like coaching training is, is, you know, trying to put people in more in their being, more in their heart, more in their presence. And, the people already have the answers. It's extrapolating these answers from them, you know, yeah. um, not giving them the path, but, but guiding them along that path so that the people can, people can reach out to, to their own intuition and, and extrapolate their wisdom from, from there. Um, but all these, yeah, some of these courses and, and um, information on the internet is just, um, it, there might be some good tools and techniques in there, but it's not going to show you the path or connect you with your purpose or, or, you know, 
yeah, yeah. It could train your own new courage you can train that courage muscle but um it's it's within you just a question yeah. of it's a practice. I mean, I have a course on not caring what other people think. And I have to, I, I would constantly remind people, it's like, I'm still working on this. Like, I, you know, this is a, you're not going to take this course and just be like, oh, wow, I'm totally done with caring. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's, you, hopefully it offers some insights, some new way perspectives, some new practices, but it's, it's always going to be a practice. It's always, and we slowly do that each day. And that comes back to our own practice, whatever that is. And I think taking that time in the morning, or uh, whenever it is that you do it to be with yourself is so needed. So that's an excellent lead way into <laughs> what we want to, what we want to finish off with, uh, yeah. which is a uh, meditation on less doing and more being. Do I have that right? Finding a balance, I would finding say, a right? finding a balance between being and doing. Finding the balance between. Okay. Excellent. I like it. I'm not. Yeah finding that space between doing and being i think finding the space between doing you name we can name it whatever we can work <laughs> with the name <laughs> uh, all right um it's your meditation you get to call it okay so um thank you so much lou um that was fantastic um thank you appreciate your time and um we're finding that balance between i guess doing and and being in the holiday period so appreciate your time and thank you for sharing your story with us I so enjoyed being here. Melena, thank you for the work that uh, you're doing. Uh, and I hope that, that your audience got some value out of it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Unhustle podcast, a place where we have real, unedited conversations with inspiring people. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion. Connect with us at unhustle.com and sign up for our email newsletter so we can send you more tips to live unhustled. If you know someone who needs to be on this podcast as a guest, let us know. Share this podcast with a friend and leave a review to help more people find it. We're counting on you to tell people about the Unhustle movement, a new way of living. We look forward to hearing your story and how we helped you change your life. <laughs>